Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five star rating. Fly Eagles Fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. All right, welcome to the latest Eagles Brawl episode. Um, I know you guys are accustomed to hearing Connor's voice to start these shows, but um, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. So this is Tyler, your co-host, um, and I am joined by Johnny. And then um, typically when I'm, I'm I'm voicing over the start of the, the show, there's, there's typically a special guest. So um, we do have a special guest. His name is Brad Kelly. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, he's an awesome follow on Twitter. Um, we're in draft season. We're going to start talking about receivers. Um, and that's one of his specialties. Um, so we got him on the show. So Brad, I'll give you a second to kind of plug yourself, give your, your Twitter at and all that. Uh, yeah, well, thank you for having me on. Uh, the Twitter page is Brad Kelly 17. It's the traditional Irish spelling. So it's K E L L Y one seven. Um, so yeah, you can follow me on there. All, all the work that I do is, is posted right on the Twitter page. Cool. Cool. So we'll just jump right into it. Um, we're going to jump into, I guess, where the Eagles are, um, and what kind of got me as a, I guess, a, a light bulb went off in my head as, as far as you being good for the show is you had a breakdown on, um, Travis Fulgham. And it was something that, that kind of interested me because I think he's kind of the wild card going into the receiver position for the Eagles, because whether they take, to me, I think he can play X. Like, I think he can get off press and I think he could play X. Um, I think that I think Johnny, me and him may disagree a little bit on Travis. But um, overall, I just kind of wanted you to break down Travis Fulgham to the, I guess, average fan. Um, and kind of if the Eagles weren't to go receiver at six, would it be a disaster? Would it be OK to roll with maybe a Fulgham, a Rager and like a Greg Ward and kind of mold a you know second or third round pick kind of into the um the receiver p- picture uh, for the Eagles. So um Fulgham and Rager moving forward, what are your thoughts, I guess, as a as a whole and and do you think those are pieces that the team can actually legitimately build around? Yeah, so Travis Fulgham was one of my favorite guys uh during the uh 2019 NFL draft process. Um, he actually went to high school. The reason he got my radar was because he went to high school with my cousin. Um, and she always talked about him at Old Dominion. Um, and then in the last nine games of his college career, he had a touchdown, exactly one touchdown in all nine. 
I talked to him at the senior bowl. I actually pressured him into eating more during lunch, during the media portion, because I asked him why he was five pounds lighter uh, than his listed weight at the weigh-in that morning. And he like went to get a second plate of food after the, like directly to the food after the interview. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but I thought that he had some potential in, as a mid-round uh, pick in the NFL draft. Um, and I was, I was kind of shocked to see it not work out in Detroit, partly because they knew that this year would be the year that Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay were going to enter a free agency. And he's kind of, he was kind of their prototype as far as a size, um, strength player on the boundary. Uh, and I think that's kind of what he showed in Philadelphia is that vertical plane uh, along the boundary is where he can really win, partly due to his size and strength, but also just like his body positioning, his ball skills, um, kind of the ways they would have, uh, you know, worked the boundary, um, hold his line when he gets vertical. And I think that moving forward, I think he, I think he can play X as well. I think he's a starting caliber X. Now is he, it's probably somewhere in the middle of what the Eagle fans saw out of him as far as like the Jekyll and Hyde season where he started out with them so hot and then kind of tailed off. It's probably somewhere in the middle, uh, what you could expect for him moving forward. Now that's not going to be a dominant number one wide receiver, but someone who can be a complimentary option as a boundary wide out and, and probably be an average starting X. I think that's what he's capable of. Yeah, then, just just sorry, ahead, just really quickly. Uh, I was going to say, I'm so glad you said that because I I watched a lot of Falcon last year, and actually, I think just after his good emergence, probably like late November, I made not a bold take. I wasn't comparing them, but I said stylistically, he reminded me a lot of Kenny Galladay. He was the kind of player that I thought would fit in that role. And to be honest, I completely forgot he was on the Lions. It makes a lot of sense when you said that. I think with Fulgham, he almost blew the expectations sort of out of the water because he was so good, almost ridiculously good for a four or five game stretch um, that people sort of believed, oh, wow, they've got the next big thing. When in reality, he was probably always just an average starting receiver. But considering what the Eagles had outside of that position, I think he made such a big impression. But yeah, sorry, Tyler. I just wanted to jump in there because it was quite funny. That was the comparison I made when I watched him was he reminded me of Goloday and the way he played the game on the boundary. So it's always nice when a Brad seems to agree with you slightly anyway. Yeah, no, and I, I just have a one-track mind. But as as far as I thought you hit on something, too, is you think he could play, play X, and there's this narrative around an X. It's like it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be this dominant volume, you know, getting 15 targets a game. As long as you can do what's requested, you know what I mean, as, as far as getting off press or as far as being able to stretch the field or whatever it may be, but – that's the biggest thing and probably the most frustrating thing is we saw four games of really good play and then we saw him. I mean, it was obviously scheme dependent too, but there was like some, some drop issues. There was, it almost looked like he was getting a little lazy with routes. And so it's like, it would be very difficult. And I, and I guess it goes, falls on the new coaching scheme um, or regime, at least as far as, you know, what do you see out of this guy? Is he worthy? Like, and again, because there's so much pressure around if this team doesn't get a, a bona fide number one, what do they do? Because <laughs> there's just so much pressure now on a guy like Rager or a guy like Fulgham, or are they, because we don't, there, there's no money for free agency, at, at least it seems. Um, so as far as taking some attention away from Fulgham, what are your thoughts on Rager? Can he be, is he more of a Z? Is he more of a slot? Um, where, where, what are your thoughts on, on Rager, Brad? So to touch on a few things you just mentioned, 
when it comes to the X receiver in an offense, the, the player I always end up thinking about, and I'm a Patriots fan, um, you know, it's a character flaw in my life. Um, <laughs> I, the guy who I always think of is Brandon LaFell. Uh, in 2014 season, he wasn't the number one target by any means because they had Rob Gronkowski and they had Julian Edelman. And he was more like the number three, but he ended up with like eight or 900 yards and like six touchdowns and made some big receptions, a playoff game against the Ravens. He's, he caught a fade to win the game or take the lead. And that's kind of the player I always think about when you're looking just for like an average starter on the outside, if you have the pieces that fit you know, around him as a slot player uh, like Edelman was, then then that's fine and you can you can win with that. Now, is that Jalen Rager? I guess that's going to be the ultimate question. He was drafted in a position where I think you rely on him. You want him to be that. Um, I, I labeled him as exactly what you said, a part-time Z and part-time slot coming into the NFL. I think ultimately his best fit in Philadelphia will be in the slot because I think he can stretch the field uh, from from the slot up the seam and really open up the intermediate middle for Dallas Goddard, uh, and I think that that's something that the that Jalen Hurts in particular would probably want to rely on, kind of short intermediate underneath over the middle throws to a big target like Goddard, uh, and if you can have Rager in the slot take the pressure away from the safeties, stretch those linebackers out in the hook in the hook zones, then you're going to have a, a lot of success with Goddard. I think that that's with his straight line speed. Rager, uh, that's kind of the best role, I think, in, in how you pair him uh, with the tight end and the quarterback. Yeah, just quickly, Brad, because Rager's a really interesting evaluation because there was quite a big sort of outroar. I'd say about week four, week five last year, we've, we're not using Rager in the short game. And the Eagles, I think Twitter, basically, for whatever reason, and I think I was probably guilty as well, they saw Rager as the kind of guy who would get yards after the catch. You could use him on reverses. Yeah. You could use him in the screen game. And uh, the Eagles coaching staff decided that wasn't the way to use him. And actually, after watching some of his manufactured touches this year, personally, I thought he looked quite stiff. I didn't think he looked like the kind of guy that you want to give manufactured touches to as much. To me, he looked like the guy who you run deep breaking routes, as you mentioned, like post routes, cleared the middle of the field. And then towards the end of the season, he came on a lot. Um, he ran quite a few post routes. In fact, his numbers would have been a lot better. There was a few missed passes. These things happen both from Wentz and from Hertz. Um, but where would you see him? Like, I'm interested to see where you see, saw him coming out as well. Did you see him as more of a field stretcher or did you see him as one of these underneath guys who sort of makes his money on sort of screens and bubble screens, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so I thought it was going to be a little bit of both, like you said. Now, at TCU, they did use him a lot on, on motions and in the screen game. And kind of touching on what you said, he wasn't necessarily the most – elusive player in space as much as it was he had the speed and a little bit of physicality kind of rip through tackles uh everyone usually goes back to there's there was one screen in particular i think when he was a sophomore they threw like a a rocket screen where he's coming into the formation and he spins off a tackle and then he like basically runs to another tackle but you're not seeing like juke moves it's not you know making guys miss in space it's being able to run by them so in the NFL, that's a lot harder to do against NFL uh, defenses. So I think that's kind of where he's going to ultimately end up is in that field stretcher type of role. And if they could get someone else who you, who you want to have, you know, in the screen game and the underneath game, that's probably that's probably the best fit for him. I had him as the number six wide receiver prospect in that class. Um, I believe he was my highest second round grade. Uh, so I didn't mind the, the pick and the range. Um, you know, it's just. 
what came after that pick is, is the reason that the Eagles fans are a bit upset by it to this day, probably. Yeah, and and you you also hit on it, Johnny. That isn't that weird. Is like when you're when you're scouting a guy, and I mean, I don't have as many resources as Brad probably does, or true scouts. But when you're watching a guy, like he seems very fluid on film, and then all of a sudden, like I I noticed it too. Like Rager, when he runs, he just it's very upright and it's very stiff, and it's like you. You just couldn't see that as in, in 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 much detail at TCU when you were scouting him. So it's always weird to see that like transition um, because I agree he like my comp for him coming out and I know it's extreme, but with Steve Smith, I thought it was very similar as far as the physicality and his ability to somewhat stretch the field. Um, but I just didn't see it as a rookie. Um, <laughs> so just as far as going back to what Brad said, I, I think he's more of a field stretcher too, just because of how unfluid he is or, or as stiff he, he seemed to be. I think it's the Duke moves more than anything. I think it's like you said, I think you evaluate players differently. Like personally, I preferred Brandon Ayuk last year. Um, and we don't need to get into sort of scanning reports last year. But I, to, for me, the, what the Eagles needed as well was someone that would get yards after the catch. And I, I, know it's, I know it's very generic to talk about bubble screens, but manufactured touches. You know what I mean? The guys that run the crossing routes, the guys who you want the ball in your hands at all costs. I think people saw Rager as that coming out. A lot of people did. And I think the more I saw him last year, I think the more I came to the opinion, the opinion that you have now, that actually he's much more of a field stretcher. He's much more of a down the frick field, vertical guy, guys that will take the top off the defense and then open up that space underneath. So it's going to be really interesting. And we won't find out until September how this coaching staff see him. Because the other thing that's interesting is I don't think they have anyone who can do that underneath role. Greg Wald is very, very limited. Whereas they do have a lot of field stretchers. You do have Chris Watkins and John Hightower. Uh, maybe we can transition briefly into a little bit about what you saw from them. So it could be, and I hope this isn't the case, that the Eagles don't try to force him into a role purely because they haven't got anyone else that can play that role. Um, but on that note, what did you think of Hightower and Watkins as well? Yeah, so to touch on a few things that you mentioned as well, um, I think the, the reason I saw Rager as that, that guy who could really take the top off the defense, uh, when he was in high school, he had a 26-foot long jump. At the time, I was coaching high school track and field, so I was kind of always on mile split as the website that kind of tracks everyone's data. And he had the furthest long jump in the United States of America by 10 inches that year, which is just absolutely like that is, that is ridiculous. However, kind of as you mentioned, you know, it's not necessarily there's a difference between a basketball player or like a baseball player and a track guy who is a straight long jumper uh, as far as their 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 physical traits and their athletic traits go one of them some of that is based on change of direction if you play multiple sports but if you're a long jumper you're just running in a straight line like you are running a straight line and jumping and like that shows that he is explosive and he has the speed but can he change direction kind of as you said and be an elusive player underneath that still remains to be seen um and then as far as Hightower and Quez Watkins goes I think I thought Hightower was uh, bad as a rookie, um, not <laughs> to be to be blunt. I like, kind of liked him at Boise State, and and I I see the I see the projection into that role down the field. Uh, right, he not only has the speed, but he is fluid as all hell. I think, and part of that is you know he's a little bit on the thinner side. Um, but I thought he I thought he was rough uh, as a rookie, and it, it, part of it was due to the quarterback play. But I think ultimately he's not handling contact well. Um, throughout his route stems. And that's going to be very important if you're going to be a downfield 
threat in the in the NFL. I'm not sure how much you're going to get out of him, especially if, as as we've mentioned, Rager could probably do that. Can definitely do that at a higher the same role at a higher level. Um. Okay. Now let's jump to actual like why we brought you in, other than Eagles talk. Um. Some some draft prospects. Um. To me, I, like when I'm going down receivers and, and ranking them, it seems the more, I, I guess, where college is kind of heading or has been is there is less true number ones and there's more guys who just excel at specific things and you kind of plug and play and you, you're almost getting away from the true X and the true Z and you're just kind of just, it's, it's all different. It's all um, schemes are very adaptive, I guess. So who to you is a true number one? And you can include Kyle Pitts if you'd like, but who to you is a mm-hmm. true number one um, receiver in this class? Like as far as volume and, and, and you could even get into the definition of what you make as a true number one. Like, is it a worthy of a top 10 pick? Um, is it volume based? Does it have anything to do with, weights does it have to do with height does it have to do with um so to kind of just get into i guess to you who would you be comfortable taking as a true just number one receiver who you see as that um moving forward so the way i grade is i can i'll give a, i can give a top 12 grade um and really i'll give a top 12 grade and it won't end up being 12 prospects uh and then a first round grade as well and usually I end up with around 24 25 first round picks uh, and the diff- the difference between those two is if I give a player a top 12 grade, it's because I view them as at specific talking specifically about wide receivers as a high end number one receiver in the NFL, like Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, those type of guys. And then if it's just a first round grade, not just first, but, you know, if it's a first round grade, the difference is I still view them as a number one receiver. But now we're talking about probably a middle number one wide out. Not quite Stephon Diggs, but maybe like this past year, you're talking Corey Davis probably played at that level. He was the top 25 receiver in the NFL this past season, kind of that type of guy. Uh, and then as I go, you know, second round, someone I see as a number two wide receiver, third round is someone I see as a future number three. Uh, and a fourth round could be your number three receiver, but you're probably throwing more to your tight end or your running back than him. Uh, so ultimately, I think looking at the receivers in this class, I think Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Smith all got top 12 grades for me. I think that they're all going to be a pretty high-end number one wide receiver in the NFL, all in different ways. Uh, and Kyle Pitts is at that level as well. I mean, I think Kyle Pitts, if he was a receiver, he'd be the number one receiver in, in the draft. Um, and part of that is due to his ability to catch from the from tight end and from the H-back position. But when he takes reps on the outside, I mean, he can be press coverage better than just about anybody. He, he, I mean, he's better – He's better against Preston Jamar Chases, um, which is like just outstanding for him. So really those four, I think, would, would all be worthy to take if you're looking at the Eagles at, at pick number six. Um, now, like I said, it's all in different ways. Uh, Jalen Waddle, to me, you want to highlight his speed. Devontae Smith, you want to highlight his route running. Jamar Chase, you want to highlight his physicality. Kyle Pitts, you just want to throw them the ball 15 times a game. Um, doesn't matter where. So it, it would all be different, probably dependent on your depth chart. Uh, as far as like who you would want to select if you were the Eagles. Uh, but I think all of them would be worthy of that selection. That is really interesting. I can already hear Connor listening back to this and clipping that off and going, yeah, that's the <laughs> one for the podcast when you mentioned carpets. <laughs> um, I don't want to sort of talk too much specifics because you sort of broke it down pretty well there. And I'd like to get to a couple of deeper guys. 
one question because I feel like I need to ask this question because it's something I've discussed with a few friends of mine that watch the wide receiver position a lot. Um, I, like you, I think I watch about 15, 16 wide receivers now in quite a lot of depth. And I have Chase number one. I'm not, it's not exactly a, a radical take. The one thing with Chase that I wanted to sort of get your opinion on, I know some, there's a few ex-NFL like BBs on Twitter, I wish I could remember their names, who have spoke about how in, in the college level, he took too long to get off contact at times. And there were times when you think in the NFL, a quarterback may look at him, see he's being pressed and get off him. I know this is like an impossible question to ask you on, Ch- on Chase, because as you said, you, give, you gave him a top 12 grade. Do you think he's good enough to be an, an elite, elite wide receiver? So I know there's a difference in very good. But the only thing about him is I see people compare him to Hopkins, and Hopkins is 6'3", and Chase isn't as physically big as him. Is he, is he as fast enough to – I think he ended up with like 21 yards per reception last year or something freaky. Is he that good down the field that he's just going to simply box out NFL DBs? So I know this is, this is a very difficult question to answer, but for example, in my report, I mentioned, is he good enough to be a guy who would go up against the top top NFL corners? You're looking at your Jalen Ramsey's, you're looking at the best of the best. And do you think you can simply line him up and he'll beat them? Or do you think he sort of fits the bill as a very, very good X, but maybe not like a transcendent? I know that's a very difficult question, but I'm interested to hear what you think about that. Yeah, so I, I think the concerns about him getting off contact and press, taking too long to do it, are definitely warranted. Um, and and I don't think it was necessarily a physicality thing because he'll get pressed, he'll get like for like two steps, and then he like, oh, like a light bulb goes off. And he's like, okay, I have to work through this, and then he's able to do it. It's just at times it takes too long. And against Cameron Dantzler at Mississippi State, um, he just got ridden straight to the sideline a few times. Um, and that came up against Trevon Diggs as well but the majority of the time he was beating top flight first round second round corners uh you know he did he beat cj henderson uh he beat trevon diggs um there's a couple other top uh aj terrell he beat for i think two touchdowns uh so maybe those guys aren't going to be jalen ramsey but he was cooking first round corners so i'm not necessarily worried about his ability to get off contact in the nfl now part of what you said is I think what you said is pretty true in the sense that I don't know if he's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a first ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes. I don't know if Jamar Chase is ever going to be quite like that um, or even at that level. I would never, I don't think I would project him to be a, a, like, I don't think I would bet on him being a top five receiver in the NFL. However, I think he's going to be a similar level to AJ Brown early in his career. And I think some of those concerns that we saw on film probably could have been rectified this past season had he not opted out. Like, part, We're looking at a two-year projection uh, for this player, and it's not like he's been hurt. He's just been working out. So it would be interesting to see exactly where he is as a rookie um, because I think, he, like I said, I think he could come in and have 1,000 yards right away, kind of similar to what A.J. Brown did for Tennessee. One of my favorite things about Jamar Chase is, yeah, he does leave his body open to – getting pressed and he will allow hands to get on him. But I love the fact that he's able to work through contact. And it it seems like, I mean, that's an issue for some young guys is they can get ran off the route and it does happen occasionally, but he wins way more often than he doesn't. And that to me was the most exciting thing. Um, Now, as far as we need to get into Kyle Pitts, because this is like the most polarizing prospect um, on Eagles Twitter. Like 
I see all the positives. I'm a huge fan of Kyle Pitts, and if the Eagles took him at six, I would be ecstatic. But we also, and I don't want to be the corny fan who mentions Eric Ebron or O.J. Howard, but I'm going to bring it up as tight ends are entirely scheme dependent. They're entirely scheme dependent, and they're very QB dependent. And my one thing with that is I understand you can move them out to X. I understand you can move around all around the field. But why haven't we seen more tight ends thrive lately, especially with where the NFL is going? Why haven't we seen like a TJ Hawkinson, for instance, like he just went top 10 and I know he went to the Detroit Lions, but it, it just makes for I understand the doubt of now. Again, I, I love the prospect. I love the player. Um, but I, there is a little bit of hesitation of we just haven't seen from the history. We haven't seen many tight ends come out top 10 or in the first round and just start dominated immediately. So I guess like where, where do you have any doubts of that? Or are you just like, yo, just put this guy in any scheme and, and he'll thrive. I'm not worried so much about the first round or top 10 tight end thing. You know, if you go even go back to Rob Gronkowski, he would have been a first-round pick had he not had so many injuries at Arizona. Um, Aaron Hernandez would have been a first-round pick had he not been, uh, you know, mentally <laughs> unstable. Yeah. Um, so, like, that that would have happened, and, and the first-round tight end label, I guess, would have a lot less meaning as far as, like, the, the bust rate. And I think on top of a few things what you said, you know, Eric Ebron, I, I think Eric Ebron is – Definitely super talented. Um, and TJ Hawkinson as well. I think he's very talented. I thought he was really good this past year. And like you said, part of that was them being drafted to the Detroit Lions. I think Kyle Pitts, in, in, in the sense that our tight ends scheme dependent, yeah, probably. Are they quarterback dependent? Yes. But you could say a lot of similar things about running backs. Um, you could say similar things about wide receivers. Um, you know, they're going to be scheme dependent as well. And I think when it comes to Kyle Pitts, like like I said earlier, I mean, you just want to throw him the ball. And he's not a bad blocker. I think he's pretty serviceable as a blocker in line as an H-back. And that's if, – if you're going to roll with Jalen Hurts as your starting quarterback, which the Eagles are going to do, you need someone who can – you need players who can block. The running game is going to be huge. Uh, and he can do it, and he's going to, you know, bust his ass to, to block well. I mean, his effort's great. But even then, if you if you get him ten targets a game from any position, you know the the rewards are going to be high. And, and I don't want the question to come off as me not being a fan. I'm a I'm a huge Kyle Fitz fan. So go ahead, Johnny. I know you have a thought. Yeah, no, sorry. I was actually going to move on to if that's all good of a couple of our prospects, seeing as we haven't got you for too long. But I want to just sort of throw a few names at you because I know how much you watch these guys. Sure. Um, I actually haven't read any of your stuff this year because I hate reading stuff before. I watch prospects, so I try and ignore everything. Um, so we spoke earlier on about potentially using Rager as more of a field stretcher rather than someone in the short game. I think Greg Wald has to be upgraded this year, nothing against him. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, uh, but in terms of sort of upside, I think it's very, very limited. So if you're looking, if you're an Eagles fan, and you're, let's say we don't go chase and we give Fulgham more of that X receiver and we're looking at sort of a slot, uh, maybe second or third round, type receiver who can do those things in the short game, the screen game, uh, get the ball in his hands, get yards after the catch. Personally, I've got them, as I mentioned, like I have Tooney quite high up. I have Elijah Moore, roughly second round grade, Rondell Moore slightly below, and then maybe someone like Amari Rogers, uh, maybe slightly later. 
how do you what do you think about those guys? I think there's anyone else that stands out in sort of that second to third round range that could give the Eagles something in the sort of short to intermediate game? Yeah, depending on how the board ends up, Kadarius Tony would be the first name that jumps, you know, jumps to my mind. Um, a pure slot guy and used heavily on motions, used heavily in the backfield. Uh, he was a Wildcat quarterback uh, in Mobile, Alabama in high school, and his numbers were outrageous, his rushing numbers. Gets to, gets to Florida, has an injury as a freshman, as a sophomore, stays healthy, and produced, I think, over 500 total yards. Had really good yards per touch numbers. But Florida's offense had a lot of talent on offense, both at running back and at wide receiver, and Felipe Franks was the distributor, so their numbers weren't that great. But he had the second most total yards uh, on the team that year, even more than like Kyle Pitts, um, just, just behind Van Jefferson. So as a junior, then he gets hurt. But this past season was the one where he was finally kind of the, you know, every single game, every down, going to get the ball into his hands, and his numbers were awesome. You can get him the, you can hand him the football on jet sweeps. You can hand the football from the backfield. He's also one of the most unique route runners I've ever seen. Uh, his flexibility, the way he gets in and out of breaks, is just special. And then with the ball in his hands, he has crazy looseness and contact balance. Um, and that's a guy you want to get the ball to within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage because it was his, his ability to create uh, after the catch. A couple of guys that you mentioned, Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore, for me, are in that second-round range. Rondell Moore has probably the better talent. It definitely has better talent, uh, but it's the injuries that has just limited his development since his freshman season. His freshman year, he was the best wide receiver in the United States of America. Uh, however, you know the injuries since then, the lack of reps since then, has really limited his projection. Elijah Moore has steadily started to produce. Even as a freshman, he had good numbers with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and Demarcus Lodge and Dawson Knox on Jordan Wilkins on the offense. Uh, however, since then he's like steadily progressed even, even past that. And this past year he was um, consensus first team all American, uh, a pure slot, not, I think he has this enough speed to stretch the field, but it's not really his game. He's a short intermediate only at two drops this past season. Um, and he's feisty after the catch. He, he wants to fight you. Uh, and I really, really appreciate that that aspect of his game. He's, he's, he's a competitor. Um, so I think all, those three in particular, if we're looking at a second round, uh, and I think at least one or two will be available when the Eagles second round pick comes along. I think all, all of them would fit kind of into that role. And, Johnny, your, yeah, question, kind of, your, your question kind of just sparks, like, I don't – and it, I guess I kind of started the show this way. I just don't know what the hell this team's going to do as far as do they like it, it all depends on how they view Fulgham or in how they view Rager. Like, do they go the X route and maybe take like a Terrence Marshall like at the end or at the beginning of round two? Or are they thinking, you know, a Kadarius Tony or something? And so and speaking of Tony, Brad, do you believe the first round hype? Like, would you? Oh, that's a very vague question. But would you be okay with the team taking him in like the mid-teens or late or early twenties? I want Washington to take him. I think that pick twenty-one. I think he would fit really nicely inside of Terry McLaurin. It would pose a lot of issues with McLaurin's speed, but the, Tony's ability Don't after speak the catch. that into existence on an Eagles show, my guy. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> my dad, my dad's a Cowboys fan. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, back then they were America's team and everything. So I watch the Cowboys every week. I hate. Washington. I despise him. I hate him just as much as I hate the Giants. I'm okay with the Eagles. Uh, but I don't want that to happen either, especially because the Cowboys defensive backs are atrocious. So, like, that would be kind of scary from that perspective. My dad would have even more gray hair than he already does. <laughs> um, one more, uh, I guess he would kind of fit this 
uh, I guess, short to intermediate, maybe a slot is um, Amon Ross State Brown from USC. What do you think of him? He's one of my, I don't want to say one of my favorites, but I mean, there's so many guys, but I do enjoy his tape. He is, he is one of the most unique stories of all time. Um, his dad was Mr. Universe, I think twice. Um, his older brother, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, you know, plays for the Green Bay Packers. And then his younger brother, his name is Osiris. Uh, and I believe he's at USC or going to USC. Um, so he, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, I can't even say the name, is a freak athlete. Uh, but he doesn't have the size that Equinemius does, uh, but he has all that type of strength and athleticism that you can expect. A lot of people have compared, compared him to Golden Tate, and I, and I see it. Uh, and I know that that name sparks some, you know, put some ears into the air for Eagles fans. Uh, but I think he could kind of do what Golden Tate did for Philadelphia, but I, at a consistent level and over a number of years. Right. Um, I think he's an inside-outside versatility guy. He has that good strength, and he's really, really good in, in condensed space. Uh, there was a game this year at four touchdowns, and three of them were in the red zone. So in that, like, tight spaces, his ability to win with strength, uh, I think are really, really encouraging. And the Golden State comparison does make a lot of sense. Johnny, you have any other uh, Brad, yeah, just last few. I've got. I can't have you on and not ask you about a few guys. Um, sure. Two guys. I'll, I'll leave you with two guys. Uh, we'll go through uh, first one. Uh, pro- I think probably the most polarizing guy in the whole um, class, in my opinion, is Rashad Bateman. Uh, sort of floor is yours. Are you sort of believing the hype, as Tyler might say? Is he a uh, first-round type prospect, or are you um, sort of more out on him, maybe wouldn't risk it that early? Yeah, so the reason I mentioned Corey Davis earlier as a first-round you know, type of player is because that's who I compared Rashad Bateman to. I think he's a three-level route runner on the on the outside of the formation. He's 6'2", 210. He's also – I think he's a strong athlete. He's not an elite, you know – DK Metcalf, uh, you know, Julio Jones type athlete, but he's a very good one. Um, and I think his ability to separate on him breaking routes is going to be a weapon for an NFL team. He's powerful after the catch. He's not elusive, but he has good power and good awareness with the ball in his hands. Um, that led to, I think, like six or seven yards after the catch per reception. So I, I really like Rashad Bateman uh, coming out as a, as a true junior also helps. Um, and he has a first round grade for me. He's my wide receiver four after uh, the top three that I mentioned earlier. Oh, wow. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, it's the same as me, actually. I've got um, the exact same. I've got uh, Chase Smith, Wardell, and then Bateman. Uh, last guy I want to ask you, then I'm, I think I'll leave it there personally. Otherwise, I could do this for two hours, trust me. Um, <laughs> every year, I sort of end up falling in love with one guy. I mean, I sometimes regret it if it was like a Jaden Strong, big miss. Sometimes <laughs> appreciate it. Like I had, T, I had T Higgins, I think, wide receiver four last year, and Eagles Twitter hated me for loving T Higgins. I think at the moment, my sort of guy that I'm falling in love with that maybe not um, everyone's favorite is Tylen Wallace. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, what did you think of Wallace? I just, I think I have a thing for outside receivers that can win on the boundary because I think I see so many guys coming out of college that can win in the slot only. Um, and he was someone that looked like he could get down the field, he could win on in-breaking routes, but really he just made his sort of money outside the numbers. And I think some people might be scared, especially Eagles fans, when I say he was very, very good in contested catches because they might see JJ Ortega Whiteside uh, nightmares <laughs> haunt their dreams again. But oddly enough, I didn't like JJ because I just didn't think JJ personally had the athleticism at all. So am I completely wrong? Are you going to break my heart? Uh, Tyler Wallace, what do you think of him as a prospect? 
I have a third round grade on Tyler Wallace. I have a scouting report written um, on the slant route, which is the website that I, that I created. And it's a Substack stack uh, based one. Yeah. Plug. Um, so Tyler Wallace to me, I think a lot of what you said is, is accurate. He's a boundary wide receiver uh, who can win while contested and get vertical down the field. I think he handles contact. Well, now if he was able to stay healthy at the end of last season, he would have been a, a first or second round pick. Um, but he got hurt at the end of his junior year, uh, decided to go back to school and because of the injury. And he got back to form as the year went on. Uh, but coming in now with an injury history and a year older, uh, it's probably going to push him to probably the end of day two, uh, I think. Like still be a top 100 pick, but get pushed to the end of day two. I think a lot of what you said makes sense. He can win above the rim. And I actually kind of liked his projection to the slot. Now he's basically never done it, Oklahoma State. But at the Senior Bowl and the one-on-one reps, uh, you saw a little bit of him working out of there. And the traits, I think, project pretty well. Now, I'm, I have concerns, kind of like you said. He There are some points where he ends up being just a, like a pure contested catch receiver. You have to have a quarterback who's willing to do it. And he's only 5'11", uh, which – if you're if a quarterback's going to trust a guy in those situations, they're more likely to trust six two two ten Travis Fulgham. They're not necessarily just sublimit like subconsciously going to say like, "Oh, this guy's five eleven. I'm going to chuck him a deep ball." Uh, so that might be a hurdle to get over. But I ultimately, I kind of like I like Tyler Wallace's skill set. I think it would have been a top fifty pick if he was able to stay healthy at the end of his junior year at Oklahoma State. I think you just about managed to make me happy. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Tyler. No, you're good. Um, yeah. One last thing. You guys both had Devontae Smith as your third receiver? Yeah, I do. Would you? Uh, would you... I... No, sorry. Adam second. Adam second. Okay. I love Devontae Smith's game, but he's 170 pounds. Like, <laughs> like how, how do you justify a top 10 pick in that regard? I mean, it's got to and, – and I mean, when I, say, when I say 170 pounds, I mean nothing as far as – what he's going to do on a field. I just mean it, only durability. <laughs> like, can he be a volume guy? So a couple of things when it comes, when it comes to something like that, I only think something's a problem if, if it's a problem. Like I am, he hasn't gotten hurt. I mean, he got hurt in the national championship, but up to that point, I don't believe he missed games at Alabama because of injury. And he obviously was getting the ball pumped to him over the past two years. And the other thing is on film, like does his lack of weight and strength come back to bite him? He can get ridden out of his route at times, but it's nothing like that comes up overly consistently. It's not anything. It probably happens to him less than it does Jamar Chase, who's, you know, like 208 pounds. Uh, and then at the catch point, does it affect him? It's He's not great when he has to handle contact uh, at the catch point, but he has some reps where he won the back, back line of the end zone, you know, through a defender. I think he's just kind of average there, but it's not bad. You know, like some guys, they're like, they're small. Kadarius Tony is one who is small. And if, if there's a guy on his hip, he's, there's 0% chance he makes a catch. Now, if you got him the ball with space, he's going to, you know, create explosive plays. Uh, but Smith, he will go through a defensive back and go get it. I don't think his lack of weight is that big of an issue uh, just because I've, I've seen him win, you know, while con- contested getting contacted, you know, through a defensive back's hands. And he ha- the durability concerns haven't manifested to this point. That's fair. Yeah, I think just last thing on Smith. 
Yeah, like to be completely honestly, if I exactly as Brad said, I just don't know how to sort of judge someone who's that small. I'll leave that to NFL teams who have got much better guys um, in personnel. It's a bit of a hypocrite because when we picked um, what was his name, Daniel Pumphrey, a few years ago, I said that was too small for a running back. I've never ever taken him, but he was sort of extremely light physically. I think that's something about how you look and play the game. Pumphrey was tiny. Um, all I would say with Smith is this is me personally. If Smith was maybe 10 pounds heavier, he'd actually be my wide receiver one. Like I'm pretty much there with, with Chase. I think Smith is very, very good. Um, and like Brad said, unless his size actually manifests itself as a problem, I'm not really going to worry about it. I can't say I'm not concerned about durability. If the Eagles picked him at six, I would be a little bit terrified because that's what we are like as fans. But at the end of the day, college football is not exactly... Uh, sort of tag football, it's still very physical and Smith's gone up against very, very good corners and proven he can win. So as, unless I see it being a problem, then I don't really worry about it at all. And obviously I regret that when he gets killed by a free safety coming over the middle <laughs> of week one. But for now, uh, yeah, personally, I think tape-wise, actually, he'd, give, he'd have my strongest grade. So I'm not too worried about it, personally. It's uh, It's actually sad that we couldn't get through 45 minutes without bringing Danelle Pumphrey up. <laughs> yeah. and that's that's gonna be our cue we're done here uh no i'm i'm good i i got all my questions to brad if you have any more feel free but i'm getting ready to wrap this thing up no i'm i'm perfect last thing i would say is we get loads of good guests on here i mean i really really enjoy scouting it's a fun part i love draft season and wide receiver is probably my favorite position to evaluate if like me you like the position brad is the guy and i'm not saying that because he's here and we were speaking off air i've never spoke to him in my life but his videos are excellent on YouTube. The All-22 stuff, that's really important if you want to see receivers get off press. He's normally got a few nuggets of All-22 on his YouTube. I'm not going to, have, not going to ask him how he gets it, but it's very useful for people like ourselves that don't get actual film. Uh, so, yeah, really appreciate you coming on, Brad. Uh, really, really helpful and really, really nice to talk to you as well uh, in the flesh. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for joining. Brad, again, thank you. Um, you guys can follow him on Twitter. He already dropped it. I'm not going to butcher it. Um, you could actually plug it one more time at the end of the show, my guy. Uh, it's Brad Kelly 17 K E L L Y one seven. Yes, sir. All right. Go birds. Let's do this fast. Your cousin from Boston. Sam Adams Summer Ale is brewed with a hint of citrus. Perfect for a hot summer day. Like this one. End of commercial. It's peak tanning hours, dude. I'm out. Sam Adams Summer Ale. The Boston Beer Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.